I stared at you. I used to hate um, Ludacris, and I started to just like view him as a comedian, which I don't know if that's what he wants or not. And when I did that, I was like, oh, this is hilarious. Right, right. I like Ludacris so, now as an old man. I haven't really seen anything with him, so I couldn't tell you one, one way or the other. Yep, I get it. I get it. Um, so, Gilmer, can we talk about our love for podcasting for just a second? Oh, I love it when we get meta, just like my favorite social media company. <laughs> <laughs> just like our lord and saviors. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, we're, uh, Gilmer's trying out some new audio stuff. Thanks to Kyle Heimnick. Did we say that right? Heimnick? No, Hyman. Hyman. Oh, Wow. Well, okay, no hiding that. <laughs> so, anyways, um, uh, great guy. Um, if it's who I think it is, I believe we did a, a um, we did a Catholic Creatives panel together. Very, very nice dude. Oh, I've done so uh, many uh, talks with him for Steubenville and stuff. He's such really? an awesome guy, and he comes from a radio background. So he's like Gormley. Catching foxes is too low. I've been meaning to tell you this. And I'm like, oh, God, no. What does this mean? So then Only I did 310 episodes in. Yeah. Well, it's so the thing is that all I care about is the little levels, levels going, you know, near red, yeah. you know, when you're when you're well, recording. And he's yeah. like, that's one half of the equation. The other half is the final mastering. And I realize uh, I was not as keen on that. And my podcast app of player of choice automatically boosts all the audio so i went yeah there's and, a real culprit yeah people yeah. have been telling us this off and on for let's say six years i didn't know people were saying it's too low we definitely we have heard this before well i, I don't know so i went in <laughs> and i read through the guy's posts and how he does what he does and all this voodoo with software but i was like there were some several key takeouts takeaways that i could import into my workflow and i was like all right, I know how to do this. I'm committing myself to learning this. And so I spent the better part of, I don't know, eight hours between Friday and, or Saturday and Sunday just reading, watching YouTube videos, trying to get it going. So I think I think we're going to be good. Good. Cool. I like it. I like it a lot. Me too. Uh, I like it a lot. Um, so we were talking on the old interwebs about that, and you sent me um, a video of uh, – Old friend Dan Benjamin. Dan Benjamin, the Dan legend. Dan Benjamin. Uh, and for those of you guys who do not know, uh, one day we'll just have a list of like, hey, here's all the podcasts that like really influenced us. Yeah. Um, but uh, a huge one, a huge, huge one um, is... Uh, Sorry, I was uh, we ha- we lost some pages. I was like, "Oh God, why?" And it's just those were very good reasons. Um, okay. s- uh, we actually had a person quit because of the like a luddite episode over where we were like, "Everyone should maybe stop," and someone stopped. And I was like, oh, "Okay, Matt Frank could um, say that he could shed thousands. <laughs> I know. He could shed thousands and still be rich." Guys, we kind of can't have you quit on us, please. Not now, at our moment of need. Um, so. Uh, Wait, there's a podcast called Back to Work. I have not listened to it in a very long time. It is a productivity podcast with uh, someone who is often referred to as the godfather of podcasting, Merlin Mann. Uh, I don't know if he would agree with that, but I think it's kind of true. And uh, it's, you know, very, the our goal was to not do that, which is exactly what we did in the first six episodes. <laughs> Three hours long of just like... You know, uh, it's just and so uh, I mean, sometimes you've only done it once where, I'm, where I've been like, oh, my gosh, how much Merlin man have you been listening to? But there are times when we mm-hmm. will mm-hmm. pick up their cadence. Yeah. 
And it just it is it really is, and so it was just so funny because I haven't like I'm listening to his show in a long time, I haven't seen his face in a, in, a, in a, a long time, and I was like, man, I I love Dan Benjamin, so I'm like I'm definitely gonna listen to some back to work soon. Oh, so good, he's so good. Dan Benjamin he, uh, is the nicest guy in podcast. So the to me the Godfather of podcasts would be Leo Laporte, who started an entire. He was the first yeah, one to really I, create a network on this he, dream, you know. I agree with you, but I think he's the dad of podcasting. Maybe Merlin yeah. Man is because Merlin Man's so cool. Merlin Man's like the fun uncle who's yeah. like, oh, like he made this a thing that I want to be. Yeah, yeah. Merlin Man, Merlin Man is uh, is <laughs> is what Luke Carey would be if Luke Carey was uh, more in, into guitar and less into Jesus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just very like he's one of the few people where it's it's and I I I totally totally get this. He he used like GDT for him wasn't a productivity thing; it was a mental health thing. And I'm like that. Yep, that makes sense. Yep. And so um, we talked about them multiple. Probably, I would say almost once every one one hundred episodes. One hundred episodes. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's late. We bring them up. And I don't know. I just like, you know, you drift. You for the most part, there are some podcasts that are like, "Hey, I'm in." I think for me, that's Total Soccer Show, best soccer show, and that's kind of it that I've been listening to over uh, a very, very long period of time. Um, everything else, I think, you kind of go either in waves or in seasons. And so, uh, and back to work became a thing for me that was more about waves, but. Uh, Man, it's so good. What do you, I would just I'd be curious to get like your your just your thoughts on it. Merlin Mann is such a unique brain. He's such a unique person. Yeah, with the yes. craziest background. And I would listen to. He's the guy that invented the phrase "inbox zero, and he turned it into an entire productivity thing. And I would listen to his talks, and I'm like, this guy. And he would say this. He's like, he's a couple bad decisions away from say homelessness. And <laughs> my wife, <laughs> my wife could not stand him. Did not like his sense of really? humor. Did not like. Oh, she could not stand him. So we really? would watch because when you do a talk, when you'd watch his talks live, um, he's like the most fidgety, forgetful. You could tell he's interacting with the audience, but the audience isn't miked. So everything he's doing just keeps falling flat. But then yeah, when he yeah. starts going, he always has a hook that owns you. He reminds me of Chesterton where, like, you're reading a chapter of Chesterton. You're like, where the – why did he bring that up? Where is this going? What's going on? And then you get to the end of the chapter and you're like, oh, my gosh, that was brilliant. And you're crying for some reason. And then when my <laughs> wife watched, he did this thing down in – I think it was in New Zealand. And uh, he had all this stuff. It's called Scared Shitless. And he had all these people write down what – honestly, he gave him index cards. He's famous for index cards. And he gave them all index cards and said, write down what really scares you shitless. And he just his, his half of his presentation was just showing other people's cards. And it was it was deeply it was deeply moving. And he goes through and he talks about a lot of this stuff. And I was just like, and then Shannon's over there, like getting all choked up. Dan Benjamin, the nicest guy in podcasting, Merlin Mann, the this this eccentric, not in a, an annoying way, but just like he's his own yeah. personality. Um, he is such, he's such a good guy. And I come back to him every so often, Roderick on the line. Um, uh, what, what was it? You look nice today. A journal of emotional hygiene is his like comedy podcast, <laughs> which is so funny, but they reconcilable differences with him and, uh, John Syracuse. Yeah. And they, the, the, yeah. the, you look nice today. It's just them talking and Merlin man. He's at like, 
if everyone else is at one speed, he's like on 1.5 or 1.75. He's just a click faster than everyone else on everything. And it, yeah, that's why yeah. he's able to do this stuff. And I've loved him. I've loved him forever. So he's a man of the people. Man of the people. I feel like you definitely. Um, I, I, I Okay. Can, can we just be self-indulgent for like just two minutes? That's why we have right. a podcast. All right. I want to. I'm going to set a timer right now. We're going to do the thing that everyone. I hates. literally have a timer in my hand. All right. I, I want to see how much time I, I have left. Uh, so okay. Actually, you want to set set the two minute timer right now? Tell me when it starts. Okay. Uh, I don't have a. Do I have a two minute? I uh, no. I only have a five <laughs> minute. It's this block I bought. <laughs> Go. I'll stop you. I'll stop you. So I want to do the whole like catching foxes just talks about the, 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 themselves for a long period of time. Um, this time only. Two minutes. I feel like you're a bit of Merlin Man. I'm a bit of I'm a bit of Mark Marin with a little bit of Chris Hardwick. What else would you say? That, like, who are your like who are you channeling when you podcast that some people might not know? Oh, what a funny question. Who am I channeling? Wow. Um, so I'm definitely channeling Merlin Man. There are some times when I get on a Merlin Man clip and I, I'm just going. I'm trying to think of the people that I listen to the most. And would I be channeling them? CJ support? Like, like who? You know, it's like sometimes it's, it's CGP Gray. Is there I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I feel like CJ support might be a soccer player. Sorry. <laughs> well, okay. So there's a lot of podcasts that I listen to with, or not a lot, but two that I listen to with him. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who else for me that would be, but uh, hmm. I, I guess maybe the total soccer show guys a little bit here and there. There are some things, but that's been more deliberate than subconscious. That's a is that did I use that no, right? No, subconscious. No, 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 subconscious. Wait, wait, no. But like, I'm I'm trying to use it as a verb, not an at, not a noun. Is, can it be used as a verb? Yeah, sure. Why not? I heard that love is a verb. Uh, <laughs> no, Luke, love is a battlefield. Down with the DC <laughs> talk. Uh, <laughs> uh, some say all you need is love, um, but I think by love they mean horniness. So you know. Mm, um, You'll end up on the streets. All you need is love. A girl's got to eat. <laughs> All you need is love. Love is just a game. This right, is what I'm... ADHD looks like in stereo. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, okay, that was a good two minutes. Um, so I, I, I kind of like like that. I'd be curious to yeah. hear what scares you shitless. <sighs> um, I mean, my my go to one, the the standard one that's been haunting me for years, is that people find out that I'm a hack. That I I can't mm-hmm. I don't have the chops to make it in all the things that I want to do, and when push comes to shove, I fail. Like, like, so for instance, my pastor came to me uh, a few days ago and just said, "Hey, Mike, I got this couple in my office. They want to know about the church of teaching on um, in vitro fertilization." And I said, oh, "Okay, well, can I finish this thing that I'm working on?" He goes, "Yeah." I said, it, w- "What about it that you can't um, answer?" And he said, "Well." You know, I don't I don't know a lot about this area of medical morality and a bunch of people down the hall are saying that you, you can answer it. And I was like, oh, crap. Um, OK, so I what do I do? I immediately pull up the catechism. I start printing stuff out. I go and get Domum Vitae because I know these documents, but I haven't read them since college, since grad school. And so I walk into the office and I and literally every step I'm walking, I'm like, if they ask me a question I can't answer in front of my pastor, he's going to find out that I actually don't know anything, and I'm going to look like an idiot. 
like that that's going through my head the literally the into every step from the copy room to his office and then i sit down and just let it all go and start talking and turned out to be fine but i i would say that honestly like and I know that's like uh what, what what do you call that the um, imposter syndrome? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I have that really really bad. Like I, I'm scared of that. I'm scared my children aren't gonna think I'm uh, a real man or a real dad. Like I constantly compare myself to other dads, and I'm like, oh no, I'm not. I'm not gonna be good at this. I'm not like Noah's gonna resent me. Katiri's gonna resent me. Like I think about that. That's another one of those things. Shannon, I I'm fine. We're good. I watch a couple NASCAR and drink some coffee with her. She's fine. I'm like, what more can a man give, Shannon? What more can a man give? Oh, I'm taking a nap. Never mind. <laughs> I stopped myself because good this Luke. is a good mature Luke. Luke. Yeah, good Luke. <laughs> what scares you shitless, Luke? Uh, so I was thinking about that when you brought that up. I was like, hmm. And I had a, just a quick thought. And I think this is kind of interesting. Um when I became the principal of that school in Idaho, Wild, uh, you want if you want to donate to them, St. John Bosco's Academy in Canada, Idaho, I'm sure they would really appreciate it. They uh, they they do they're actually a phenomenal school. I think what they do in terms they combine the best of education with the best of of the youth ministry, and they did it by accident. I think it's so it's so it's perfect. Um, anyways, I was 28, and I knew just enough about being a team leader, about being a leader about leading an organization and all that stuff to fake it till I made it and to not be scared. Like the thought of a failure never crossed my mind while I was doing any of that. Awesome. I'm not saying that I didn't like experience like profound um, like you know, there's a lot there's like, like a, lot of, a whole lot of um, uh, a whole lot of suffering. I'm not saying that I wasn't afraid of being wrong, but failure never crossed never crossed my mind. And now I know it's possible and what it looks like. Yeah. I've never particularly failed in my career in a way where it's just been like, oh, how do you come back from this type of a failure? You know, I mean, I've, I have had um, setbacks. There are things that I have failed at, but I have never had that kind of sort of catastrophic. Career. I guess I kind of had it early in my career where it was just like, this is real hard to find a job because the economy went. I don't know. But anyways, my, my point, though, is there's a I this is really probably one of the first times in my life that in terms of my job, I've actually been worried that I'm going to fail. Mm. And it has nothing to do with my abilities or anything like that. It's more just I know it's possible. It's just I'm fully aware of like, yeah, like a lot of. You know, because when you're growing up, you hear stories of people who, like, who succeeded and who didn't, you know, and then you hear about people's own feelings, and you, and you start to experience your own, and you see others, and then you're like, wait, there's a good chance that I could lose my job. Before. Now, I'm not saying that I think I'm bad or that I am. I'm just, I'm, this is just like. It's become a reality. Yes. Yeah. You've seen it in, like, other people's lives. You've experienced yeah. some setbacks in other, you know, areas. And I think for me right now, that's probably, that's probably the thing that scares me the most is that because, um. You know, you hear about this in sports all the time when, like, guys that are too young, they get on a team, especially on, like, a national team or something like that. It's like they're too young to know they shouldn't be doing what they're about to do, and they do it, and it kind of works out. I think I had a lot of that in the beginning of my career, and this is the first time where I've been in a job that, like, I understand the weight of what I am doing. Even when I was at the Archdiocese, I was so new and kind of had, like, a flippant attitude towards, I mean, it's might surprise you all, it all, that I was, like, 
it's like, well, I mean, honestly, there's, there's also like, well, fail at what, you know, but, but, um, <laughs> but with this, there's like, you know, there's a hard measure. There's a hard metric. There's a, there's all this stuff where it's like, okay, so this failure looks like, I know what it looks like. Interesting. And, Very uh, interesting. yeah, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Scared shitless. I'm sure there's a lot of things that you just start to. When you really start to think about it and you're just like, oh, oh, yeah, there's that and there's that and there's that and there's that. Yeah. I don't know. What are what if what were you scared of when you were younger or or what have you been scared of that you're now over? Women. Uh, that's probably going to be my answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on, man. I was terrified. Have you ever met women? They're the scariest things ever. Oh, just, man. Uh, I used to have... An, I. Uh, the things I was most scared of when I was in ninth grade, uh, I was most scared of PE class. That was embarrassing. Just being a fat kid, you're like, Bruh. but I, I could beat up most people. Uh, I bet you in, in ninth grade, I could, I wouldn't have been picked on. Let me put it that way. But uh, I was scared of of being weak in that regard. Not because anyone ever said anything and no one ever did. And I picked a fight with a senior and I wanted to whip his ass. But uh, uh, I, I, because I couldn't, I had this sense of justice and I was like, hey, why don't you stop making fun of people? You little, what did I call him? You little neo Nazi uh, albino freak. <laughs> Turns out when a freshman says that to a senior, not going to have a good rest of PE. Gosh, that was awful. But the coach, the PE coach, uh, thought it was hilarious, and he's like, "Normally, I love it." I was like, "Thank you, thank you." Um, you should have better control over your class, sir. Yeah, as I should have better control over my mouth. <laughs> yeah, I. Um, I mean, like, think about that though. Like, I, part of the reason why I homeschooled was to get away from that. Mm. Not, not like I was picked on. I wasn't ever picked on. Really? Guys, I'm cool. I promise. I'm cool. Guys, I'm funnier than all of you. However, I want to be a priest. None of you understand that in our Catholic school. Um, No, it it was never being picked on. It was always like failure to perform at, you know, like in sports ball stuff. And I played sports up until that point. I played sports literally right up till ninth grade. I had no reason to like be afraid that I couldn't like I could do the stuff, but I just wasn't great. And for some reason, it just it just owned me. Maybe because my buddy Chris Miller was my best friend. Chris Miller was my, like, I mean, he was the guy I was closest to and he was the best athlete in our grade. Maybe I just, it just made me like self-conscious or something. I don't know. I do not know. I think for me, it was probably like, um, just like being alone. I think I, I think I just really hated it. Mm. Well, I, I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I, and that's different. That's, that was more just, just like a preference. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that like Emily and Christine and my mom have like a thousand answers right now. And they're they're all screaming. screaming at the <laughs> Oh, really quick. Hi, Charlie. I, I hope you're having a great day. Uncle Luke oh, loves you. Have a good day, Chuck. Every time that we're on the podcast, she, she tries to say hi to me. Doesn't understand why I don't say hi back. <laughs> <laughs> and this is every time that she goes, hi, Luke, Luke, Luke. Oh, <laughs> like so that, funny. I never. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, and, and uh, it's funny because, like, she knows I'm who you are, too. So it's kind of fun. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Charlie. Hope you find your dad. Hey, Charlie. Uh, it's Uncle Gomer <laughs> saying I'm better than Luke. <laughs> Luke, are you uh, still down for Chuck. coming out here? 
Uh, on the fifth, maybe. I got, we need to, I we need to find it. some dates. We, we need to make it concrete <laughs> so that I can start yeah. advertising because I want to advertise. Follow up with that. Father Mike Schmitz will not be doing a uh, the Batman uh, episode because he will, in fact, be in the Holy Land. Uh, he hates us. He hates us. I know. I he know. hates us. If you are in the University of Minnesota Duluth, you Catholic, you go to his masses, you're on his campus. Uh, go up and, and just ask him one question. Why do you hate Luke and Gomer so much? <laughs> if you see him at a conference, go up to him and say, why do you hate Luke and Gomer so much? <laughs> we you call that him the catching the... foxes hello. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, we'll call it the Father Mike Schmidt's goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think in my 20s, there was a part of me that was worried for a while that I wasn't going to get a shot. Yeah. And just in general, like just because of just how, you know, the economy was playing out and just the, and the timing of it all. And just I think how I think I don't think I set myself up in any way that really, you know, was like, hey, you're putting yourself in a great position, kid. Um, <laughs> but I also, I just think, you know, I think for me, there was a general there was a genuine fear that like my life was over before I even had a chance to start. Yeah. I really, really felt that way. Like I was just like terrified that it just somehow and I. uh and there were definitely some things I could have done better. I can point towards, you know, multiple things like, you know, like, oh, don't worry. I've got this job as a long-term sub. I'm sure I'm sure this will, like, I'm going to work out. Wine company that, like, wants to interview me for a wine sales job that would take me all over the place. Don't worry. I'm good. You know? Yeah. And, like, you know, there were definitely things that I, I could have interviewed for and should have pursued. But I think in terms of when things were getting bad, there was a period of time where I was like, what if this just is always bad? Yeah. What if this is just the way that it's going going to be for a while? And I think that was that was tough. And I would say probably my thirties, I think there was just kind of this thing of like, so now what? The fun is over with per se. Like you're now you're you know, and it, it, and that's and it sounds like I hated marriage or being married. I I did it, but there there was this element of like not scared. That's I don't know because not really scared. It was, it was that was more just like things I was trying to work out. I'm trying to think of what I've really what I was really scared of. Is there anything for you that you like a fear that you learn to live with and maybe not even conquer, but have just you know how to handle it? Uh, yeah. Oh, I can tell you the two biggest things in my life is. One, you helped me the most, more than anyone else, which is my fear of telling people no, right? My fear of not being the nice guy. Let me put it that way. And that book, No More Mm -hmm. Mr. Nice Guy, really spoke to me, really spoke to my heart in a big way. Mm -hmm. And you directed Mm -hmm. me to that. And of course, since I don't emote without broadcasting, that was a couple episodes we've talked about that on the show. My, I mean, my biggest fear was... If I assert myself, people are going to be offended, and that's going to prohibit me from getting what I want, what I need, whatever. But I realize the world doesn't bend for spineless people, for people who don't know how to draw boundaries, who don't know how to say no, who don't know how to pursue what they think is right and good and all that stuff. That was my first one. So no more Mr. Nice Guy. It was I was too appeasing, even to the detriment of what I knew to be good and right. The second thing was my fear of confrontation, which sounds the same, but it's not. I look for confrontation, difficult confrontations with people now. I used to be so terrified of ruining a relationship, of not of not saying the right thing or doing the right thing. But I literally, back when Father Tom was still our pastor, we would have these meetings. We'd be like, oh, that's a difficult conversation to have. you know. Uh, and it's like, yeah, I know. And I would say, can I have it? They'd be like, well, it's not even your department. I go, I know. I need to work on my ability to be confrontational and yet 
you know, stay calm and not break it out into an argument. Like, I think I'm good at listening, but when I get confrontational, I start, I want to argue and I want to argue the other person to oblivion and my voice gets higher pitched and I become very shrill. And I'm, I wanted to be able to be calm and seek the truth in confrontation. I think I've done a total 180 on where I was. Those two things were really difficult. Uh, what's that like one um, Simpsons thing where they try to like change Ned, Ned Flanders? And if, if he's like, if I have a problem with you, I'll tell you or something like that. I don't yeah. remember how it goes. but Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, You get the idea. And such and such. And I think that Notre Dame has helped me a bit with this. There was definitely um, a part of me that, you know, so you know how they kind of say by the time you're, forget what it is. Like, it's not 27 Remember the age of when you hit, you're basically, this is your peak salary. And then every year is, for the most part, just like a marginal increase after that. It's, it's like eight years into your career or something like. I, I, I don't I don't remember exactly. But I think, for me, there was a period of time where I, I was very worried that my, because that kind of like exciting not be, not the not the beginning part of your career, but this like rapid advancement, growth or change, but in like a good like in a good way, and, and, and like I am advancing, I'm getting better at something. I am I am progressing with this, this these skill sets or this craft that I have um, that I um, that I am a part of. Yeah, I hear about this a lot on like a Bill Simmons podcast. They they talk a lot about how for the most part athletes and actors you sometimes have they have like the same kind of runs where you know you, a lot of your stand ups will have about a two year period where they're the best and then it's done. And then they're around, but they're never quite where they were. You know, for a while it's John Mulaney or it's um, Jim Gaffigan, and you have a very short window when you when you're um, a comedian. Or the best in terms of people who are in comedy films tend to have about a ten year run. Actors kind of too, where they're the main person. So you've got like Chevy Chase in the seventies, Bill Murray in the eighties. I forget who it was in the early part of the nineties. Then you have like Will Ferrell. That's kind of over with, and I. I've, part of me is always a little bit worried like is that what my career is going to be like where it's like i'll be really hot so was i just really hot from like 2011 to 2000 and like um 15 or like oh whatever then it's kind of done and i think being at notre dame has been really cool because i'm seeing i'm in school with people who are at all different walks of life i mean there's a i don't think this would be dead a turn to, to, to say this but there's a guy in my one class who's in his like early 70s it's kind of amazing to see all these people who are taking it very seriously, who are very much trying to be like they want to make a big impact and do big things to the point where they're willing to go to grad grad school at a, at a um, you know school that's I mean it is Notre Dame for crying out loud and you know and I think for me that's been kind of cool to be huh, I've, I've never heard of it so yeah yeah I know right um yeah, that's because you don't care um that's because you enjoy your neocon bubble sir <laughs> how uh, dare you how dare you <laughs> oh I'm sorry am I right. No. <laughs> of all the things so, I am not. Of all I know, the things right? I, I, know, am. I know. Neocon. I know. But those are where the donors are, so, <laughs> That's you know. Fact. Hooray. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I'll sell my soul. I'm just kidding. Yes, I will. Uh, <laughs> no, but it, it has been. And I think for me, it kind of helped me go, okay, like there are definitely periods of time where you can get really good. But to see a different people, to have to oh, work with different people who are different parts of their career who are really good at what they do and who maintain a high level of performance all the time has been really has been pretty inspiring. So I think for me, starting to see of how much like some things are extreme examples of that. You can always get better at, at like at what you are doing for the most part. And to know that I'm still right in the middle of all of that has been really encouraging. Hmm. Good. 
when we come back, we're going to talk about Gomer's book. But first, a message from our sponsor. <laughs> uh, uh. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the time has come. It's a new BetterHelp read. So this episode of Catching Foxes is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? If you are a fan of this podcast, it's odds are it's either A, your job, or B, a breakup. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. It's true. It's super fast. It's pretty awesome. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. I think this is one of my favorite parts of what BetterHelp offers, because if you're having, so you have a sex addiction or you're you're struggling with what else do people have addictions to you know um, jeopardy they've got the right people who can help you with uh, in in the right areas and I think that's very very cool this service is available for clients worldwide so all of our UK friends you guys are good you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist you'll get timely thoughtful responses plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy and I know all of our introverts on here love that BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapist if you need to. It's more affordable than traditional therapy and love this fact right here. Financial aid is available. BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Uh, I love this. It's over at BetterHelp.com slash slash reviews. But if you are ready to go, go to BetterHelp.com slash foxes. That's better com slash foxes and join over 2 million people. That is a lot. I mean, you know, not as many downloads we have, but still, two million people is a lot, who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, they are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Special offer for Catching Foxes listeners, that's you. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash foxes and get 10% off your first month. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this here episode of Catching Foxes. So, Luke, I have a book. Do you have a book, though? Nope. I have a chapter in a book that Brandon Vaught uh, edited. <laughs> uh, you're just mad because we we refuse to acknowledge it in the WhatsApp group. No, I, that is literally the funniest thing ever. <laughs> I sent the, the, the cover and the <laughs> table of contents to our WhatsApp group of my fellow AMDG uh, closest friends, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, Trent Horn! Oh my gosh, Matthew Warner! I love that guy. And I'm like, uh-huh. He's a gentleman. Yes, he's such a smart guy. Love him. What did I say? Uh, good old Frederick? Yeah, good old Frederick. <laughs> and then I responded, crazy thing is, it's pronounced Friedrich. Wild, huh? <laughs> Anywho, couldn't ask for a nicer guy. So I have a chapter in a book, and I just finished. I just got it today. I got it in the mail. My mom got it in the mail. I make fun of my parents a couple times in here, so eee. But I'm in chapter two. I'm chapter two. I'm very excited uh, to see that. I'm very aroused. <laughs> that, that's that's one way to put it. <laughs> no, it's awesome. I have a chapter. It is cool. Published is in cool. a book that had an editor. I, well, I'm on a, I wrote an endorsement for Father Harrison's book. Luke, this isn't a pissing contest. Can't you just be oh, happy sorry. for me? Sorry. No, I Can't am. Can't you just be happy for me? No. No, this is Catching Foxes. I want this to be a pissing <laughs> con- contest. I'm sorry. No, you're I right. I understand that you went to Franciscan for your masters, but at Notre Dame, we strive to be the absolute best. <laughs> so anyways. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure you at Notre Dame strive to be your best. 
<laughs> no, I think it's very cool. I'm actually very excited to read what you. So, okay, can you talk to, like yeah. go into a bit about like what it actually is? Okay, and, nice and short. I don't need to bore everyone. Yes, I do. But Brandon <laughs> Bot reached out to uh, a handful <laughs> of people about two years ago and said, "Listen, I'm looking for people who uh, are millennials." And who were inspired by the work of Dr. Peter Kraft, and I know you were, so I'm putting together this book. It's secret. He doesn't know. And it's just a book honoring him, but it's specifically like testimonies about how his thoughts have changed our lives. And I own probably 30, 20, 20 Dr. Peter Kraft books. I've been reading them since high school. Been reading them before I've been reading Scott Hahn. So... I remember a book I read right before coming to Franciscan as a freshman, and it was called The Three Philosophies of Life, Ecclesiastes, Life is Vanity, Job, Life is Suffering, and Song of Songs, Life is Love. And that book, I mean, if, if you had to point to a book that changed your life, like really honestly changed the way you view life, do life, all that stuff, for me, it would be that book. So he said, well, what do you want to write about? And there was all these different things. And I have a lot of his books that I like, but I said, uh, so I was talking with um, Jackie Francois, and I said, hey, I, I see that you were asked to do this. What book are you going to do it on? And she said, oh, I'm thinking Three Philosophies of Life or um, or this other one. I said, hey, can I please do Three Philosophies of Life? She's like, yeah, sure. And so she wrote hers on, let me look at the chapter. Just that, okay, good, that he's a part of their love story, Jackie and Bobby Angel. So when I wrote that, I'm... Good people. It, so it's a bunch of young people writing about how this guy changed our lives. And I just, I, I got the copy in the mail when I came home. Shannon filmed me opening it because <laughs> I'm a nerd. And uh, I immediately <laughs> sent pictures of the cover and title page to everyone and anyone. But I feel so good. I had an editor look at my you book. Should. When Brandon, I sent him the copy. I literally, this is literally what I did. I sent him, I wonder if I can find the email. I sent him the email and said, hey, here's my copy. <laughs> I know I'm a day late. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> catching foxes um, yeah I know <laughs> but I sent it to him and I said what are you going to do huh? if you think this is total crap I understand if you don't want to use this chapter I'm so sorry how poorly it's written I've never done this before please tell me if this is in keeping with what your vision was and what you think um, I look forward to your email after you've read it like a week goes by and he emails me back he's like Gummer, this is great this is a great chapter. Thank you so much. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. For just one day, I fooled one more person into realizing no, I'm not a you're hack. stop it. You're good. <laughs> but I, I like it. I just reread it. I just went through the book and or my chapter, and I really like it. And I like it even more that I'm chapter two because chapter one is John DeRosa, who does the Classical Theism podcast, and I love that man. And uh, I'm actually going to be on his show on, in like two weeks. Um, but he is such a good dude. He's a high school math teacher, I think, at a public school. And he just started this podcast about defending, the loving the God of classical theism. And when I found out he was going to be the first chapter, I was like, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. He's, I love it when something like this just brings just decent people together. I don't cool. know everyone, yeah. but I know them. So, No, that makes sense. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then when Dr. Peter Cray found out that we were doing it, he wrote a response to us who said, like, I am shocked and humbled that that anyone – I'm always delighted that the Lord finds people 
who like what I have to say. But I, I, as one who thinks I never have anything worthwhile to say, I do manage to say a lot. And he said, but I'm humbled by the fact that um, even our Lord rode a jackass into Jerusalem. So if my words have ever helped you, I know the Lord is still using jackasses today. So I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Hmm. That's uh, I'm I'm actually very happy for yeah. you. I think that's very very cool. Now so. I I also don't want to shortchange the fact that our fine folks in the Wollongong Diocese have been publishing some Lent and Advent articles that I've written for them in the past. And Corey Hyman, Kyle Hyman's brother, did the created book of which I have a 300 word similar to a blog post in that book. But this is from Ignatius Press, and I used to me and Bart Kennedy used to talk about getting published in Ignatius Press. And one day he even handed me what it takes to be a public, pub, published author. I remember looking at that paper being like, okay, okay, I can do this. And then I never did it. That was one of those fear things. So, <laughs> I, I do think, yeah, there are um, – That's it's – I, I understand that. That's a really cool a moment. I'm really glad that you were able to have that. I like. I mean that. I'm really proud of you. I'm excited to read that. Please send me a free copy of that, Brendan Vaught or Ignatius Press. That they don't. I only get one free copy. Sorry that I got mad that one time. But anyways, uh, I yeah no cool. I think I'm. That's very cool. And I think like uh, it's Peter Kreft, right? Yeah, K R E E F T. Yeah. Uh, I have never done a deep dive on his stuff, but every time that I have looked at it, I've always really every time I've read his stuff, I was gone. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Like it's re- it's 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 he's got some really good good stuff. So I'm here to talk to you about a company that I'm super happy is doing an, another ad with us because our coffee is so darn good. The Redacted Coffee Company is back. The Redacted Coffee Company specializes in premium small batch coffees that are roasted to your order. This means the coffee you order is roasted the same day it is shipped to you. It smells so good. Ensuring the freshest possible coffee delivered directly to your door. I love them so much. Their coffee beans are ethically and substantially sourced, which is great. They prioritize ensuring of farmers are not, are not exploited, thank God, and are paid more than a living wage for their work. Oh my gosh, it's like they're doing what we should all actually be, be doing it, treating human beings like human beings. Redacted's coffee beans are processed in an environmentally responsible way that does not waste water. They only ship inside the U.S. and Canada, both because of the freshness factor and also out of concern about companies trying to be everything to everyone in the name of profit. They don't do K-cups because K-cups are wasteful, destructive, and produce inferior cups of coffee. This is known. Redacted Coffee Company is employee-owned because that's the ethical thing to do. For the promo code, okay, okay, look, you guys know how sensitive I am, and I get it. You all like Gomer when you first, when you first get on here because he saw a lot of talk because he's a catholic speaker he says the things that you want to say but deep down after like six or seven times you listen to our show you start to like me a little bit maybe let's not let's hop off the catholic speaker train hype and let's support the podcast guy the real podcast guy not the not the speaker guy who's got a podcast but the guy who actually likes podcasts and does podcasts and created the podcast that you're listening to right now gomer and me created it but i had the thought so if you love me catching foxes actually all of you because you're catching foxes um listener will get 25 percent off your purchase but you have to choose your loyalty you have to use either one of two promo codes team luke or team luke at checkout no there isn't a limit on the number of times you can use team luke yes this is a popularity contest so go and find redacted coffee and i'm going to type in their website while i'm talking because i didn't get it before i started to read the cop read the read the copy it's redactedcoffee.com the coffee.com and i love this fact too actually they're a veteran founded company at redactedcoffee.com get some great coffee if you're in the u.s or in canada but truly though all catching foxes i'm listeners you guys will get 20 20 percent 
off every time you buy a thing from redactedcoffee.com if you use the promo Team Luke or Team Gomer, all one word, at to check out. Thank you once again to our dear friends at Redacted Coffee Company for sponsoring another episode of Catching Foxes. Do you want to talk about a Balthazar quote and then maybe do some 10-minute topics, or are you kind of... Well, I, I have a couple things that I want to ask you. I've, I actually <sighs> came prepared. I have a list of things. All right. All okay. Right, let's go. Because we have a great thing from our from our patron, Hope, at patreon.com slash cf. Patreon.com slash cf. I wanted to answer, but we can do that okay. on another episode. If you no, no, to. no. I'll, I'll put it in here in the show notes, the old show notes that I'm trying to Hope's question. I just want to say Hope is the name of our sweet daughter and that we lost. We named her Hope, and it's been really beautiful lately uh, how things are coming together. And my daughter, Katiri, so Hope, Benedict, and Perpetua are the three kids that we lost in miscarriage. And... Kateri is being Saint Perpetua for a friend's Saint Day party that they're having um, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she's like, we had to research saints and write on it. And mine was Perpetua. And I'm like, I love you so much. <laughs> okay. So here's, I have two questions for you under the category of, so Halloween, what did you do? <laughs> did anything weird or annoying happen? Uh, no, it was actually wonderful. It was one of my favorite Halloweens ever. Uh, Everly dressed up. Aaron, well, Aaron uh, did a homemade outfit for Everly as a pineapple. <laughs> and um, Christina and her boyfriend and their kid, uh, that uh, that would be um, Jude, who is my nephew, obviously. Uh, they, they, they were over at um, Christina's boyfriend's house. Um, um, Mark, who's a great dude, and they're at sorry, they're at um, his parents' house. I'm sorry, and out. Um, in a town that's uh, pretty pretty close to here, and then they came over and we walked up and down two two blocks, and it was absolutely exhausting. <laughs> uh, I've never zigzagged more in my life. Um, Everly refuses to to be helped, and is insanely independent. Every time I tried to pick pick her up to like speed up her walking, she just like fought back horribly. And uh, it hurt just, my feelings just, more than once. <laughs> she just like she would not hold my hand. Like <laughs> uh, so, Chris, like um, Mark and Christina were um, walking ahead of us with Jude, and they were both holding his hand. He's and he was dressed as Chris Farley. It's soup. It's all to text you awesome. a, a picture. It's really really cute. And I'm like, Everly, can't you just hold her hand? And she was just like, No, I mean, she didn't say no, but she was just like, Screw you, sir. I just, I had to like because I was you know having um to follow her and try to keep her like in line. I just zigzagged two blocks, which again, it's two blocks going house to house to house. Absolutely exhausting. <laughs> what about you? So we had the Muckenthalers come over, uh, the Muckenthalers. We had them come over and uh, their kids. We had a big potluck dinner, and then we all got dressed up. The kids all got dressed up. Shannon was a fox, so I salute her. I was a man in a orange t-shirt and black sweatpants. <laughs> I was a podcaster. I was a podcaster. <laughs> uh, my daughters were, Kateri was Madeline Hatter, Mad Hatter, female Mad Hatter. I don't know what that's from. Um, Cecilia was a vintage clown, which was hilarious. Thomas was Master Chief and Noah was a baseball player. Because the Astros are in the World Series and it's playing right now, and I'm fine. It's fine. It's fine. Even though I think they're going to lose right now, Game Six. Yeah, so it was fun. So I passed out candy with Joey 
while drinking and the kids all went around the moms all took the kids and they went up and down our block and we got tons of little kids in our neighborhood so we start before sunset i don't know what it was like for y'all but when i was growing up you waited till sunset happened and then when it was dark you went out but here because there's so many young kids especially you get started like right after dinner like sunlight still happening so i brought out a bluetooth speaker and i fired up apple's uh playlist for spooky halloween stuff and I just played, you know, Monster Mash and Disturbia by Rihanna and Thriller. And <laughs> I just sat there. There was even a, a Fresh uh, Fresh Prince and Freddy Krueger, which I remember and know almost every word from uh, his first album. You've got the body, but I've got the brain. A Nightmare on My Street. That's what it was called. And we just passed out candy. And I, I don't know if you realize this, Luke, but... I love being the center of attention. So the fact that every time I, I mean, every time someone came up, I'm like, hey, happy Halloween. And who are you? <laughs> I have people walk away. They just went, that was the be-. literally, literally two middle schoolers go. That was the best experience of my Halloween. That was that guy was so fun. <laughs> and I heard him say it. And I go, you darn right. I was <laughs> come to St. Anthony of Padua's youth group. at. <laughs> Let me um, give you a toothbrush and a tract. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like pe- people used to really tip things like that. Be like, this isn't cash, but it's a reward in heaven. And I'd be like, that's, I mean, everyone knows that that's the worst, but that really is the worst. Yeah. Um, My wife used so to ha- give out pencils and erasers for Halloween. And I yelled at her so much that I made her go out and buy full size candy bars in pennies. Who used to do that? My wife. She did it once. I walked in, I go, so where's the candy? And she goes, I figure we give out these fun pencils and erasers. And I was like, Shannon. honey, oh, Shannon. <laughs> honey, there's a Walmart five minutes from here. <laughs> you will not come back until you have bags in atonement for your sins. Your house would have, yeah. I don't want my house to get egged. Um, <laughs> let's go get old man Gormley's. Uh, <laughs> do you realize that, like, okay, there's there's a scene in, in the, like, of The Simpsons where, like, some young kids are trying to do a thing to, like, The Simpsons on the yard. And Alma Nelson goes, quiet or you're wake old man Simpson. <laughs> and uh, I was like, wait a second. In that season, Homer is supposed to be 36. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. uh, so nothing nothing weird or anything annoying happened on Halloween? Oh, uh, well, well, my poor, poor, poor dog uh, almost died. So she, she had to have surgery. So that Ooh. was horrible. I think that was also part of the reason why I was just so exhausted. No, no. It was, you know, what's, what's really interesting. Since being married, obviously, I haven't. This was my first real Halloween where it was like with kids. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, every Halloween, either Aaron was gone one year and it was super. So the first year we were at this house, it was super, super windy out here. Like we had no um, trick or treaters at all because like the wind was so insane. It may have rained as well. I don't remember exactly. And it was very, very cold. And then uh, last year, COVID, I don't remember. I think we like were on our, we sat in our driveway with um, some friends and uh, no one stopped by. <laughs> so this was the, my first year like in the neighborhood where I lived with kids ever. I've had one trick-or-treater at an apartment that I um, lived at out in Idaho and I was just there and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. D- kid, do you want a beer? I, I don't. I'll, all I have is beer and macaroni and cheese. I live alone. That's so funny. 
my brother Chris thought it was Halloween a day early. And he goes, oh, my gosh, I, I almost got up and turned off all my lights so no one would bother me. Thank God it's a day from now. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. It was my first time doing a Halloween thing, like, with kids and not with adults. So there's, like, no one's wasted. There's, like, <laughs> not one set of cleavage and one cleavage in sight. I don't know what that's a plural or I, a, I think it's cleavi you know, like, cleavi yeah like there's just it's just there's no like slutty fairy there's no like oh why are you doing that you know like there's just yeah. none of it, which has been like our lives since i like my life since i was you know 18 since and so the university of dayton infamous halloween in the dorm well, <laughs> no the first one was the university of pittsburgh do you remember that i wasn't there for we, that one that was oh that's right loser adam and john i think <laughs> No, you were there. No, you I was there? walking the dorms with you at UD, not at University of Pittsburgh. I don't remember yeah, that. That was all. a fun night, though. At UD, that was fun. It um, was. It was. Yeah, remember we were like we don't. It was such a we don't go to real school. <laughs> yeah, we kept saying that over and over again, and we'd be like, "Look over here! Don't look over there! Don't look over there!" There's a girl in a naughty witch costume. <laughs> Oh, look, <laughs> look, over there, there's a woman in a naughty nurse. You know, every woman is naughty. Tonight, it's Don't look naughty. over there. Don't look behind you to your left at the naughty cat. Kitty wants some candy. Oh, and my gosh, whatever you do, don't look to your right at the naughty Betty Boop. Um, <laughs> Betty Boop's already naughty. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was just so like, uh. I just remember like having this thought of like, oh, that's right. Kids love Halloween. Yeah, because like you see it, and I, I just and for I had for twenty years, it's just been like adult Halloween, where it's just like yep. insane drunkenness, you know. And it's actually uh, it can be a beautiful time, and I feel yeah, like two absolutely. people. This is this is the weird or annoying thing. I feel two groups of two categories ruin Halloween: the overly you know naked, the Irish, the Irish, and the Germans. No, the. You know, the naughty costumes totally ruin it for me. The way too adult, adult costumes. But then the other side is the gore fest that is taking over Halloween now. It's not about spooky things or funny things or like, oh, let's be a little afraid. It's like I, I literally have a guy on my street who has one, the girl from the ring in a life-size doll who has demon babies with uh, syringes in their arms, you know, like body parts, and you're like, That's what, a bit much. what the hell is wrong with you? Oh, I like Halloween. I'm really into Halloween. That's not Halloween. That's just a, that's a horror movie. You can watch horror movies uh, any day of the year. Don't put it on your front porch where my kids have to see this. There are little kids in this freaking neighborhood, and you're showing grotesque things. Now, my next-door neighbor... His brother is, quote, really into Halloween. So what did he do? He bought a Walt Disney The Haunted House <laughs> stupid, like, gravestone made out of styrofoam and uh, a, a, a weird decaying picket fence and that's and a purple light. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's something I can handle. I, I can handle that. Then you got people who are, like, hanging bodies, like, realistic-looking bodies as if they hung themselves. And I'm like... I don't I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. Yeah. But I, I will mean. tell you this. A satanic cult may or may not have been picking up activity in our neck of the woodlands. Uh. So I woke up at 2.30. So all during Halloween, after my kids went to bed, and after we were done passing on candy and turned off all our lights, 
I had my gun safe downstairs unlocked and open because just weird crap. Multiple people in my neighborhood have been assaulted. And so, uh, yeah, like two days before, three days before we got all these alerts on our ring camera neighborhood app. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I mean, our Simply Safe camera app, wink. <laughs> but uh, so I was like freaking out. And so I have my gun because I've I've had gangs come to my house at, at like 1130 at night. You know, clearly they are not trick or treaters. And so I'm like, I'm not playing a game with this. I did that. And then I w- so we go to bed at like 1130. I wake up at 230, can't go back to sleep. And I just come downstairs and I'm like pacing and freaking out and all this stuff. I finally fall asleep at six. Six in the morning, but I, I was just wigged Wait, out. What was causing you to freak out? Was because that, of the satanic cult targeting. Well, they didn't necessarily, ah, okay. they weren't targeting my parish, but they had targeted another parish and started slicing tires and Jeez. doing harassing them online and all this stuff. And so we were like, well, let's notify, notify all of our adorers that as they come out of perpetual adoration in the middle of the night, that they should be ready to throw down like you know like what do you do so turn on more <laughs> all right lights. rita here's a deal <laughs> yeah. when you come out of there rita you better be ready to fight get dirty put the keys between your fingers it's go time rita yeah so but nothing nothing weird happened you guys are okay nothing okay, annoying good. happened the church was safe i found out this morning tons of people at mass celebrating all saints day and today all souls day so it's been good wow uh, no, I didn't have anything like that happen. Good. I just saw that on TikTok. There's been an increase in like um, witches and whatnot. So oh, that's gosh. weird. So like dumb. like noticeable. I'm just like, and that's like actually just a COVID thing. It's not even anything to do with Halloween. They're right. just talking about because it it's Halloween. So so that's horrible. God save us all. Yeah. No. I I, I mean, was there anything else special nope. that happened that I was supposed to? Nope. All right. Next. No. 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 Luke, throw us to commercial, and I'll add it in. Oh commercial please we'll be right back after this fun thing that we're saying here all right i'm super excited about this new sponsor all right all guess guess what the nerds don't own the scapulars now you Yes, I'm talking you, super hip, cool individual, deserve a scapular as strong as your devotion. Don't be caught dead with that one. I'm serious. Uh, For every individual scapular purchased on this site, scapulars.com, that's scapulars.com. So for every individual scapular purchased on their site, they will give away one free to an elderly person who needs it. Oh, my God. Beautiful. It's all part of their mission to vest the world. Holy crap. Everyone right now, we all know how much we love old people. Go buy a a scapular from scapulars.com right now. The scapulars are strong, super durable, American-made core that makes the scapular the sturdiest in the world. In fact, if it wears out from normal use, they'll replace it for free. Guys, this place is amazing. The scapulars are soft. A scapular isn't a half shirt, people. It doesn't have to feel itchy or uncomfortable. They use super soft Australian, so you know it's American and Catholic, Monero, let's just say Monero wool, so it feels more like a warm hug from your mother than a tough penance. This is great. Everyone loves a good hug from Patty. The scapulars are innovative. The original size scapulars patent pending, patent pending, design includes a pocket for your sacred metals so they don't wear down or break the cord. Is this the greatest company in the world? Their goal with scapulars.com was not just to create the most durable and comfortable scapular ever made, though they're very proud of that fact. They exist to share the devotion of the brown scapulars so as to place all Catholics under the protection of Our Lady. If there's anything that we, we need right now, it's to be more like and be under the protection of the Blessed Mother. So let me tell you a bit about Steve, the guy who started scapulars.com. He and his family have a strong devotion to Our Lady and the brown scapular, but their cheap, flimsy scapulars kept breaking or irritating 
penetrating their skin. Uh, understandable. And with nine kids, good gosh, where'd it go? The cost was adding up. So he did up something about it and created scapulars.com. Your purchase of two or more scapulars, they ship for free. So everyone buy it for yourself, buy it for the elderly person who needs it. This is a wonderful company. Take advantage of, of what they're doing. Again, go buy it. A really cool, awesome scapular from scapulars.com. Tell them the Catching Foxes sent, sent you there. We're so excited to have them as a sponsor. I hope I'm pronouncing scapulars right. And uh, yeah, thank thank you again to scapulars.com for being a sponsor on today's episode of Catching Foxes, America's ninth favorite Catholic podcast. All right, Luke, tell me about Hope's question. What's Hope's question? I have a question for the next 10-minute topics. How do you navigate 401ks as a Catholic working for a secular company? Um, I, I, <laughs> tell me what it's like. I've just cleared one year where I work and am now eligible for 401k. Way to go. I read about 401ks and IRAs before going into my meeting with the in, – in, I sorry. I read about 401ks and IRAs before going into my meeting with the investment rep and felt prepared enough to know what she was talking about and to ask coherent questions. Questions. She then asked, would you like to go ahead and sign up right now then? I was a bit surprised by that. I said no, that I'd like to take time with the package she gave me. Actually, good for you with that. So I could research the companies that are unlisted in the various fund options to decide if I feel feel like morally slash ethically okay about investing in them. She then – she then – suggested giving me a few days and I got her to push it to Monday so I at least had time over my days off that week to do some research. Monday is whoopsies. Monday is tomorrow and I'm at the, I hope she wasn't expecting us to get back to her. Uh, oops, so going back. Okay, so no, she's not. This is, okay, I, I felt so bad for half, half seconds. She was. This is, this is meant to be a ten minute uh, topic. Um, Monday is tomorrow, and I'm at the point where I want to make where I want to wait until the next the next enrollment period to make this decision. I spent the weekend on writing a budget so I know what I can invest and I have a decent idea how all this works. It was pretty simple to rule out the funds that involve tobacco companies. However, the whole thing has proved to be very overwhelming. I don't know that I can do this without compromising in some way of a shape or form. One of one of the funds for for instance comprises primarily of bonds sold to various countries, but I don't know how those countries plan to use that money. Too too many companies, too little time. I'm at a point where I would feel loads better off per loads where I would feel loads better about pursuing a Roth IRA, but I wouldn't even be able to throw that much that much money at it. By the time I've pursued a Catholic investment option, my guess is that my paltry my paltry um sixty dollars would be eaten up by administrative fees because the firm has to spend so much of their resources on research. I figured that in the in in the meantime, I might put some money in a CD, but the economic fallout from the pandemic, interest rates are really low. So dot dot dot. The like um lottery or um reality TV may be my only options. To reiterate the the question, then, how do you navigate four hundred one k's as a Catholic working for a secular company? <laughs> so I just read, but I I think she she provides some really good like yeah it was well written. I want, written yeah I think yeah. that was yeah very well written very well like hey this is this is on a lot of people's hearts I think yeah. so I have I have some thoughts but uh, you uh, watched a couple podcasts or you watched a couple you watched a couple on, on, on YouTube's and you've heard some podcasts on this stuff so yep. you are the expert around yep. here yep uh, I will let you start here's a couple things a couple key things 
that I would uh, not advise you but talk about because we are not fiduciaries and we cannot um, uh, give you personalized financial advice. Yeah. One, I would say go to faithinvestors.com slash foxes. They're a sponsor of the show. I know John Barry, the guy that does it. He's our buddy, um, Thomas Yeager's brother-in-law. He's an awesome guy. The decision to invest is important. Okay? It is important. So they have, uh, if you're a Catching Foxes fan, they can give you a white paper that talks about it just to give you a little bit more information. Number two, there are Catholic funds that are entire um, mutual funds that are just Catholic, Right or that conform to the USCCB's choice. Now, here's the problem with the USCCB's choice. The USCCB's guidance on investing almost solely targets weapons manufacturers, and that's it. Um, I'm going to push back on that a little bit. Yeah. As a person whose foundation adheres to that, uh, a lot of the stuff that has happened, that has not been the case. Okay, meaning... So there's been definitely like other companies. I'm not sure what I'm able to say and not say. Um, all of the now that's that 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 is a part of it. But all of the conversations that we've had about that, or where we have been, or where like we have been like notified, it's never been about that. Okay, never good. been a, like a weapons manufacturing. Well, company. I mean, so I just, to me, I, I just want. I just, I'm just saying from my experience with them. I, I remember a, a critique written in about 2015 about the USCCB's guidance and list. Uh, someone was critical of it, saying they mention less things like drug companies that make abortifacients than they do weapons manufacturers and things like that. So that was the the common thread in a couple of the articles, and they had the, the number or the um, call signs of the different funds and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Now, okay, mm-hmm. so... What do I invest in? This is what I invest in. I invest in the total U.S. market. I have a fund by Vanguard that is a total market fund. I have a fund in Fidelity for my 501c3, whatever it's called. That is 403b. <laughs> Sorry, what? 403b. Uh, we're starting to we're talking about starting a 501c3. Which <laughs> I'll delete that. Uh, Anywho, uh, <laughs> but no, uh, so through both uh, my private Roth IRAs and my um, 403Bs, I am just total market. Why do I do that? Because you're not really buying stock of that individual company. Uh, also, your money is so remote, it just mimics the stock market. It's so remote, you're not formally cooperating in evil if any company happens to participate in evil. And then I ask you, how do you delineate what does and doesn't participate in evil? Because just when you think you found a good company, uh, they do shady stuff. They capitulate to the agendas of today. They do 27 other things that would make you cringe. You just don't know about. There are a handful of Catholic companies, but many of them are so small that they're not um, able to be invested in. So uh, yeah. I would encourage you to check out faith investing faithinvestors.com slash foxes. They are a sponsor or have been. Um, and then maybe look at those other areas. Here's a, here's a few things that I would say. I'm going to assume by, by her email, she talked about, I think I skipped over this part just because I was trying to like, um, she really doesn't have a lot of extra money. And this being the first time she's had to go into a 401k. The fact that she's got a real job means she's probably 23 to 25 in most. 
she doesn't really have a lot of extra income, and so I think like putting it into something like like a like a like a Vanguard thing or, or whatever like might not be a bad idea. And it's a, it's a great. I, I mean, I am, do not want to prevent her from starting. But here's the thing that works: there may be some unmatching things going on there. There could be other advantages through like her like work, where it's like, hey, you. I would say like be okay with this, but perhaps ask them: Do you have any screening? policies for 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 these funds there's i I'm, i meant to i meant to write this down i'm sorry i forgot but i really wanted to get to this there is a thing that you can run as well like that a lot of um, companies do that's pretty close to what the bishops do obviously it's not exact because with the bishops you have things like abortion or the things that are like more generally accepted within the popular um that guys but there is a big um, distinction between I'm going to invest in this group or I'm going to give this group money because they do this one thing or I'm going to buy this thing because it's really good but wait why are you giving 10 like 10 dollars to this weird african group that's going to kill people you know like like that's 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 kind of like an insane example but so let me just use one that's like more common um why are you giving stuff to like abortion rights or something like you buying that company's product or even or even investing in them per se is not a cooperation in that now if that's a big part of what they do or like when or everyone i'm sure um, we sell we pay for we pay for um, someone's abortion that's a little bit different with the abortion like texas i uh, think apple said there would yep i believe apple talked about like paying for you know like they will buy your plane ticket so you can fly you to a go yeah and i'm like i um, okay, that's to me, that's where the lines start because that's a pretty active statement. A lot of CEOs put some stuff up a, a couple of years ago about abortion rights and different things, how they wanted to make sure they were seen supporting that. That was kind of a okay, this is getting yep. close, but I don't think investing in them per se is wrong because that's not their primary mission. That's a choice some people there are making, and quite often it's just a fad. It's just a thing that they're doing, and now, but 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 there comes a time when it's like, hey, I'm just not uncomfortable um, with this, and I and like I get that, but I think it's important to understand. And feel free to tell me that I, you know, am wrong about this. That it's not. It's about why are you investing in them? It's because like if if they're if they are um, a company that doesn't actually do that, their mission, their product isn't to do horrible like horrible stuff. It's okay, and if they choose to do that stuff, that's their choice, not yours. Yeah. How like however where I think it gets a little bit iffy is things like if you buy when you'd buy a rage against a machine album, part of the proceeds would go to rock would go to rock for choice. Right. Or Pearl Jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you knew by they were making it known by buying this, you're giving to these groups right right here. This is a this is this is so important to who we are as a brand that it's written on the product that you are buying. Yeah. To me, there's a difference between that and like Apple's policy. Right. Apple's policy is pretty close to that, but there's a difference between putting it on y- your product, having a policy that that you don't like, or just making an outright donation to a group or an or some type of a movement that you don't like. Yeah. I would talk with you whoever is in charge of this and say, do you have any sort of screener at all? And if so, what is it? Mm-hmm. And then because I think the US, I think the US, I mean, listen, I'm. The last person in the world who's ever going to be like, yes, I fully trust everything that they do. 
all the moves that I have I'm seeing. So with our, I think I can say this. This is public knowledge. With our foundation, you know, there are things that like, hey, we follow that's in our bylaws, which which are which are public, so this is fine. It's in the guidelines, like we follow them. So like yeah. whatever they do, we like we we follow that. And uh, we've had multiple um, conversations. I'd say probably every other board meeting about that. Again, this is all public minutes, so I'm okay um, bringing that up. I, I, I don't want to go into specifics, though. Yeah. Um, and so I think you're okay going going along with this because they're not investing in these groups because of the things that they're doing. They're just investing in, you know, um, whatever. But if it's, but if it is a fund where it's like, hey, and this is, this is, this is a thing, 10%, or, you know, like 5% are these social justice oriented groups or these B um, corporations, you know, or, or something like that. Like, I don't know if B, actually, I don't know if B corporations have stock. So, but like, these are groups that actually are doing some things that you may not be comfortable with thinking about that, but I would actually be okay with this just because especially for her, it's more her age. Yeah. But I'd be curious to get your, your take on well, my thoughts. Just so you know, everyone listening, I um, put a link in the show notes to the principles for USCCB investments. And it is a little bit more than what uh, I may have been alleging to, but what? the three big principles are avoid. Oh, participa- you mean the person who actually had a, had had experience in this pushback and was actually right? Yes. Investors must avoid <laughs> participating in evil activity, activity. So like what Luke was saying, it's different than a company policy where you allow abortion or whatever, or you have, you know, whatever kind of gender things. Like if, if, if it was like a healthcare group that was a for-profit entity that was actually um, traded on the stock market, that a big thing of theirs was to provide for abortions. I, I think that that's like, I would have a problem with that. Yeah, so it's investors must avoid participating in illegal activities. Investors must be actively engaged in shareholder voting. Investors must work to change corporate policies for the better. And so they said specifically, Catholic investment portfolios should protect human life, promote human dignity, reduce arms production. Oh, it looks like I did say that. Pursue economic justice, protect the environment. They're and not encourage, wrong. Uh, I know. And encourage corporate responsibility. So the, the big things of abortion, contraception, embryonic stem cell research, racial and gender discrimination, pornography, arms race, production, and other things. If that's their principal business... And that's an activity that the USCCB asks you not to invest in. And, you know, there are so many things that are tied to things like sex trafficking and whatnot that um, we ought to always avoid. When you invest in broad funds, I don't believe in any way, shape or form that you're participating in the the formal cooperation with evil. It's not like Mm -hmm. an individual investor moves the needle in any way, shape or form. And so what we want to do is be able to function materially in this world and prepare for our families and plan, you know, leave a good legacy and all that stuff, but to make sure that companies that suck don't get all of our money and all of that, you know, all of that stuff. So, yeah. And I, I'm, I think it's really good that she's asking these, these, um, uh, yeah. these questions here. And I, th- I think it's good. I just, cause these are things that you want to think about. Like, it's really good to, as, especially as you start to build wealth or if you do like larger investments or you, you know, get into a point in time in your career where you'll, you know, you can do like angel investing or different things like that. Like, you'll have a much more bigger uh, voice in the groups that you are investing in and you have a much bigger re- responsibility. And I think it's important to understand that there is there is a difference between like like your four hundred one k fund because like you know I, there was some stuff at Glenmere that I was really um, impressed with like what like what our, our options were I was like that's actually these are some really good funds and so but I like hope 
good for you. You definitely like are. I'm thinking about this. You should definitely be investing. Um, even if it is, even if you do just just decide to start with your sixty dollars a month or you know or whatever on um, once a month, bit by bit by bit, start start to build. So I think it's a great idea. Okay, Luke, I got two last things. You ready? Yep. Yep. You sent me a cryptic text message, which has the most uncomfortable image I've ever seen in my life, which is always the mouth of Sauron. And you gave me no explanation. <laughs> I you did. You just sent the mouth of Sauron YouTube video. I was stressed out at work. So and I, gross. <laughs> Isn't it so weird? So gross. I was so, I was, can't remember like what I was doing, but I was feeling super stressed. And sometimes when I'm stressed, I like to just have like something on YouTube on in the background. And um, it was this thing called the mouth of Sauron, but with normal voices. And it's this whole thing. It's guy takes all these uh, scenes from the Lord of the Rings and just makes the bad guys talk like normal people saying normal, funny things. And it's amazing. That's awesome. I didn't watch it yet. Because I was like, oh, I've already seen a video where they go through the entire character and the books and compare them to the deleted scenes in the movies. And I was like, I don't want to watch this anymore. Why is Luke making me watch this? What profound thing <laughs> did Luke connect to a Me Without You song that now we have to talk about? Not a thing. I just thought it was funny. Oh, damn it. Okay, I should have watched it. Lastly, speaking of funny, Apple TV man, Ted Lasso season two. They had an episode called Ron Communism. It was Rom Communism. One of the funniest things I have ever seen, ever, ever. It was hysterical. It followed the pattern of a rom com. And they called, like, he called, he goes, You know what we need? Rom Communism. He's like, What the heck is that? And he's like, Rom com, a romantic comedy. <laughs> the plot of the whole show unfolds as if it were a rom com. And it is I need to, perfect. I need to watch more of that second uh, season. Okay, I know you haven't been watching a lot of TV. Me and Shannon, we watch Ted Lasso together. We also watch another Apple TV thing. I remember I dogged them so much, and now I'm their biggest fan. You love your Apple TV. Those shows are so good, so good. I haven't seen them all, haven't seen a lot, but what I've seen I like. Foundations. Found freaking dations. I love. We didn't realize that the whole season wasn't, was. I thought the whole season was already out, but new episodes come out every Friday. And I was like, oh, no, we've caught up. This is the worst feeling in the world. We're in ordinary time. The Foundations is a sci-fi based on Isaac Asimov's um, famous sci-fi novel called Foundations. And it's just incredible. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. So the, the galaxy is ruled by one empire. And the empire is fascinating. They clone the founder of the empire, Cleo. They clone, or Cleon. Ah. They, found, uh, they clone him. And at every time, there's three clones sitting on the throne. Ascending Day, who's a child. Oh, what is his name? Oh, no. Ascending Dawn, and then Brother Day, and then Brother Dusk. So you have uh, the man who sits on the middle throne rules. The boy is learning. And then the man on who's the elderly man, Dusk, is advising. So you constantly have continuity of rule. And it's just fascinating. And so the whole plot revolves around this guy, um, Henry, whatever, who he's the the universe's most brilliant mathematician. And he realizes, 
using mathematics that and sociology that their empire is going to collapse. So what he wants to do is not prevent mm. the collapse because you can't. It's coming. He wants to shorten the collapse and then build a foundation so that when humanity claws itself out of the Dark Ages, it can do so much more rapidly because these essential monasteries of knowledge exist. So Canticle for Leibowitz-esque kind of stuff. Oh, that's cool. But it is so freaking fascinating it is so fascinating and they do such a good job with it i love it that's really cool yeah that's awesome um i'm about i probably have like maybe seven more hours left out of 23 of my eisenhower in war and peace biography very excited about that uh my favorite thing about biographies besides just seeing how different people uh tick and you really do get a sense especially if it's well written of like and you're, you're again, you're getting a sense of the author's idea of who this person is. But like, it's just so fun to get an idea of like a different person, like how they live their life. And then like, w- when you get to a part, it's like, oh, I bet I did it like that. And um, <laughs> it's been really fascinating. And like, just certain things that like my, my favorite part is when you pick up little things like, hey, I want to be more like this in my own life. Um, just little things. There's some things that, you know, from the Rockefeller book that I I'm listened to from the Truman book that I read and from this book where I'm like, hey, I want to be like that. Just, you know, I don't know. I I, I really enjoy that. So uh, it's just like when you read like a great book about a saint, you just like, hey, I want to have this kind of an attitude. I want to have this type of I want to I keep this, you know, I, th- I think a lot about um, just different um, saints and stuff and things. Like, and, you know, and so it's it's just uh, it's really cool. And I, I just forgot how much I, I really do love biographies. It's one of my it's just. Um, it's something I've really, over the past couple of years, have just gotten um, more and more into. So I'm, uh, that's been great. Did you know that like Eisenhower like made a huge mistake to basically prolong like the second um, World War by like six months? What did he do? So I think I I, I, I had to have um, learned this while I was in school, and I think I remember it, but I, I just for whatever reason it just kind of like left. So basically, basically, you hear, you ever, <laughs> there's hair all over my face. Um, <laughs> You ever hear the, the like like the, this one phrase? I don't remember how it goes, but it's like like uh, the bulk of your leaders are like uh, fighting the old war. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know. So during 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 the Second World War, um, one thing that a lot of people like Eisenhower as well as a, a marshal who was the um, chief of staff who that he he's who the Marshall Plan is named because right. that was right. his idea. Um, they really, when they, when they got in to France and I'm sure there are people who are like, Luke, this is wrong. Um, they wanted to take like a very, um, a very broad approach. So try to like, so try to imagine like a whole line across all of, all of France. They wanted to spread everyone out. I, I, I believe in kind of just, just like push in. Cause that's what you did during the second world war. It was like, here's our line. We're going to fight against, like, your guys' line and try to win. And so that's what their approach after – because, like, all all of the D-Day stuff as a whole, besides, I believe, Omaha, which almost didn't go very well at all, uh, went very, very well, all things considered. And so – but actually what a lot of these other guys I wanted to do, like Patton and like other people, was like, hey, let's pack a very big punch right here and we can get to Berlin in like six months as opposed to the like the like, you know, um, like 10 months that it took. Yeah. And uh, from 
if they had ended the war earlier from like basically like it's like 750,000 people died from the time that the allies on all the land i believe that's just with soldiers too so like a human um, casualty is much higher two like two like thirds of those of all of the deaths come from like after they thought it would have ended so it's I, I or it's two thirds. It's it's like something like I, I forget Either the way, actual it's stat. It's it's horrific. I mean it's it is her uh, horrific, and um like Eisenhower has admitted. Well, he uh, did admit like that was a mistake. If they had because even the German to the main Germans guys were like we're done, we are absolutely done. Yeah, yeah. and because of that, you know now you like. Like, but where Eisenhower, where he really had, you know, his brilliance were, were, was in two areas. One, the um, Battle of the Bulge, he, like, basically won that battle. Yeah. He was his tactics that, like, that, like, won. Now, you, you could argue if he doesn't do his, they don't take that broad of approach, does that even happen? I don't know. But they get in that spot and he gets them out of it. And that's the beginning of, that's the real beginning of the end because things kind of almost get to, like a stalemate for a bit, I think. And then two, this is, I did not know this. So Hitler pulled his two guys because they were like, we're done. And he's like, screw you guys. And um, he, he replaces them with these guys who would have been yes men by their career. One guy goes, no, this is like a lost cause. So like he pulls he pulls him out. And then there's this other dude who's like, okay. Uh, and, he basically, so, and so Hitler tells this guy, blow up all of Paris. If you have to before you give it up, so they actually put like almost they like put like wires around like all the important stuff going in and out of Paris, all of the monuments. They were going to like destroy Paris, as like as we know it, and so he basically is like, "This is wrong. We cannot do this." And he tells he tells the he tells the allies. Hey, you need to get me to I have 24 to 48 hours before like I'm found out. I give up, but you got to get here. Like he's he's not he didn't actually say that I give up, but he's like if you get here, I will I will give up, but I only have X amount of time before I'm found out and they're going to blow this all up. I never knew that. Wow, that is wild. That is Isn't wild. that crazy? So basically, there are five people who really, who really like um saved um Paris and, and and like really to like make that work. There are five people. Eisenhower is um, one of those five. Wow, I love it. And then, um, uh, and I think, but what he did very well though was he was a, he wasn't so, he wasn't a very good strategist for the most part. What he was really good at was the whole politics part because he's got to deal with FDR, Churchill, and Stalin. Gross, and they all have a kind of have a say in what he's doing, and he's the supreme um, commander. So he's got all these different um, countries, armies, and navies underneath him. Yeah, and it just to be able to balance all that, it's it's it was really really interesting. So sorry, I just and I can't even turn in my taxes on time. <laughs> when you read about like what like some people do or like what they went through, it's like I am I am a piece of shit. Yeah, you know, Marshall. He never stayed at work past five thirty p.m. Yeah, in the in the worst of the allies, all this stuff, and then he cut off as many people as he could from interrupting him, so that he could do the 
Yes, deep work of planning the war. Yeah, no, it and was amazing. he he told I like one of his big things, and that Eisenhower used in um, his presidency was that like I'm trusting you to do this stuff. Don't come to me unless it's about this, this, or this. Like you do your thing, and that's what how Eisenhower as a president. That's how he ran his cabinet. That's how he ran his guys during 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 the second yeah. when like Eisenhower um, was when um, he was a president. He was done for the most part by like four, by four or almost five o'clock. Cause he's just like, he, that's why they have the Eisenhower, um, the Eisenhower matrix. You ever heard of that? So it's yep. like important urge, you know. So it is named after him because of how he, he only wanted to do important or urgent things. That was it. And he just learned how to delegate. And he was like, there's no reason why you shouldn't. He was, as the president of the United States, every day he was done by five. He would have dinner upstairs. They had like TV trays and watch him TV, you know, like, and he was in bed at 930. He just, he worked from like 730 to four or 430 and was done and got a, t- I mean, he was the last president we've had who were he we, there was never a war during his time period he had a balance a balance like budget he he just did all these things that were pretty 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 good actually and amazing. he did it from like a 9 to 5 it's amazing yeah yeah that's why i love on biographies man cuz like you really see like and you see like where they fail and how you know and all that stuff and if it's good you get a really good insight into just like how people did these incredible things on a very practical level and uh it's Honest to God, I like I use I think about some of like um, Rockefeller's approach to how he gave away um, money and stuff in, in his nonprofit work. I think about it all the time. Why? All the time. Because I think it's so fascinating. Oh. It's so fascinating. He basically wanted to combine um like the heart of God in terms of wanting to give people stuff with the frugality of like business and the efficiency of science. Mm-hmm. So there's some other things where it's like from like a from like a um perspective where it's like Ooh. but he was able to do some really really big things that like he's like we I mean honestly you can make the argument that one of the reasons why we've had such an advancement in like in medicine over the past 120 years or so is because of him and that approach. Interesting. That's really so, cool. Not the reason, but like a big reason for. You all know that. what book I'm reading? Uh, something else about spaceships that I wasn't paying attention to while you talked about it. <laughs> Wisdom and wonder how Peter Crave <laughs> shaped the next generation of Catholics. Written by Michael Gormley and seven others. <laughs> well, it's more like 15 others and edited by Brandon Vaught. Man, I love that guy. Who who are the people who um, who are in it? Uh, the the other authors? Yeah. That aren't me? Okay, we have Brandon Vaught, John DeRosa, Michael Gormley, Logan Paul Gage, so Paul Logan, wow, Matthew Becklow, Father Blake Britton, who is um, Brandon Vaught's best friend, who wrote the book on uh, Reclaiming Vatican II. It's a good book. Uh, Frederick Heidemann, Matthew Warner, he's the guy that made Flocknote, Trent Horn, uh, Rachel Bullman. Uh, Matthew Nielsen, John Mark Grodi, Douglas Beaumont, Bobby and Jackie Angel, Taylor Patrick O'Neill, Pat Flynn, Jason L. Reed, and Tyler Blansky. Cool. That's all. I don't know who any of those people are besides Bobby and Jackie and you <laughs> and Brandon. So way to go. We did it. We made Luke's thing. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, yeah. So, so uh, Luke, the reason why I haven't been talking about sci-fi is because... My, I've completed all my series, but Wait, one's coming out. Did, 
in November. Oh, sorry, sorry. One is yeah. coming out in November 15th, and the other one on December 1st. So then I will annoy you, but until then, nice. I wait. So I think, okay, so can I get your opinion, or are you hitting the point where you're pretty tired? I'm pretty tired, and we're an hour and a half in, so I don't want to do a ton of editing. What, okay. what are you going to say? Just tell me what you're going to say, and then I'll decide. I want your opinion about what book I should read next. Ooh, but I want to. Yes. I want. I want to. I want you or our listeners. But I want to frame it a certain way. Okay. Okay. So I've been slowly over time doing a bit of a pattern. I, I, I want to read like a broad, um, a broad spectrum of books. And what I and what I mean by that is I want to have a novel. I want to read a history book. I want to read a god book. I want to read one of the classics, and then I want to read like almost something else that is um, 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 nonfiction, and then repeat. Now, not necessarily repeat in that exact way, but just that's kind of like the flow. I, I want a good, healthy mix of everything. I don't want to be just like um, productivity books or just how to do this. I want it to be, you know, I definitely want the history book. I would definitely want to have like a spiritual book. I definitely want to have a novel, but everything else is kind of like a healthy um, mix. So I just, so I've done a novel. And I have done a – I've just got done with my novel. I'm almost done with the Truman book. And I feel like I just read a spiritual book um, recently, but I might need to – but I don't know what to do next. So I'm curious to see, like, with that in mind, what should I read next? So we got a novel, a God book, history, productivity, biography, classic. Pretty much. Now, when I say the productivity, that I, I just mean some other nonfiction books. So I want to read something that's not – that can be, you know, a productivity book. That can be, you know, or whatever. It just, I don't want it to be on history. I want it to be about something. It could be about like an interesting um, gotcha. science book. Just keep in mind that I don't know. I don't have a strong background in science. Mm. So what, what, what category are you on? So right now I'm on the history slash biography. Okay. And you don't want something like that. So you're looking at a classic. Now, have you read... Have you read Have you read the Iliad? Um, you know, I as a, have I sat down and I don't think I've actually okay. Did, I may even have, better, I don't even remember. better, even better. The newest edition of the Iliad as a non the non poem version. I would recommend it's on Audible, it's on Kindle, okay. and the book is awesome. Okay. It's a hard, beautiful hardback book. Um, I will send you. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick in the old uh, Amazon. The Iliad, yeah, the Iliad uh, by translated by Stephen Mitchell. Stephen Mitchell, it is awesome. It's Kindle hardcover, paperback, seventeen bucks. Hardcover is fifty-two. Jaeger bought me the hardcover. Their whole the Western Academy, which is a classical boys' school that he worked at. They everyone, the faculty, the students, they all read this edition. And Jaeger's like, this is literally a life-changing book, and, and I think it definitely is. So uh, I'm going to put it in the show notes for all of our good fans. Um, cool. Thank you. Gomer's favorite version. Um, I love it. I, now I love the poetry side of it, too, but it's just incredible. So I would recommend that as your next one because it's done so well. But if you – especially are you going to get the audio book or are you going to get the – No, like, okay. no. I think for that one I'll probably just do – 
the actual book itself, and then I might do in the car. I'll like so the last audiobook I got, I, I this is like a Jay Moore SNL thing. It was kind of just, just like a stupid fun thing. Like if yeah. that was my dumb fun nonfiction. That uh, I don't know if I would really. I guess I would count that, but like I wasn't like listening to that. Like this is all I listen to is the Eisenhower book for the most part. Like that's it. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, because and like one thing too, like the the Eisenhower book is like that's a that is a. I mean, it's 23 hours on Audible. Yeah. <laughs> so I have no idea how many pages that actually is. Let me see what this is on Audible. It is Stephen Mitchell's Iliad. It is 16 hours and three minutes on Audible. Okay. Okay. It's close. Yeah. So it might, I, 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 I think I would like that because I think that might be something I want to take my time with. But we'll see. I really. Okay. So this Eisenhower book is 968 pages. <laughs> so not the longest thing I've ever read. But yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. I, it actually has, has, has made me want to read um, a lot about Grant. Grant and Eisenhower had a lot of stuff in in common. So nice, interesting, nice. All right, All right bro. Uh, I gotta I gotta get back up now. I was lying down. I know, uh. I know. Special thanks to our sponsors: BetterHelp.com, Redacted, and Scapulars. Dot com newcomer there. Oh yeah, very excited to have um, scapular dot, dot com, and thank you again to um, having all the fine folks at Redacted. Their coffee is fantastic. Please do Team Luke. I am oh so sensitive. I get it. I rub it the wrong way a bit at times just because you know I'm not the clean little Catholic. I'm because I'm not your clean guy, man. No, I'm just because because <laughs> you're a douchebag. That's fine. No, it's fine. I just you're. I'm very needy and kind of. I'm a bit much. We get it. We get it. All right, y'all. Take care. God bless. Five, four, three, three, two, two, one. Why is there an echo?